0: Today on the show, we finally unveil our official episode one. Yeah, we are so excited. Sarah, Eric, and I discuss what it means to be a quote-unquote real man in segment number one. We then, in segment two, bring in former WWE superstar and professional wrestler Austin Aries, who always seems to have a lot to say. And we finish up with Sarah's news segment, which unfortunately has some bad news about my favorite candy. But first, let me tell you all about Next Wave. Yep, Next Wave Services is a website design company that provides high-quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat rate. Next Wave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. Next Wave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service each and every time. Now you can get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com. They were founded in 1998, which is about as old as the internet itself and even the year that I got married. <laughs> that is a long time. It's Next Wave Services.
1: It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, your daily dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food with a plant-based spin. I'm Dee, and along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and today's special guest, wrestler Austin Aries, here is a man that likes butts and cannot lie, Rich
0: Reynolds. Hello, hello and welcome on in. We have finally made it. It is episode number one officially of the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. My name is Rich Reynolds. Eric Rogers is here. Sarah Carlson is here and we are going to try and do ourselves a show. Yes, uh, we're just flying by the seat of our pants. That's kind of how we want it. I think it is going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun. I do want to set... Because I was listening to episode zero, and I don't know if you guys went back and listened to episode zero. And in episode zero, we kind of introduced ourselves, and we went around. And one thing we didn't do is set some ground rules of the show. And I'm hoping that we could do that now. Are you guys okay with just, like, a few ground rules?
2: Uh, I was under the impression we weren't having any rules, Rich.
0: Any rules? Oh, yeah. Well, that's... (laughs) That is also part of it. Within these rules, you, you can eschew the rules at any time and just say, "Screw it! I'm not going to care about the rules." But but a few rules that I'm hoping that that we can kind of live by. One is all right, and we're going to get this a lot. Speaking in generalities is okay. So what I mean by that is that there's always going to be people that are calling us and saying, "Well, you're talking in generalities." Yes. Yes, I am, because most things that are generalities apply because they're generalities. So here's what I mean by that. If if you're looking for a definition, all right, I might say smoking is bad for your health. And then someone will say, well, you're speaking generalities. My grandfather smoked three packs of Paul Malls unfiltered every day. And he lived till he was 94 years old. And he was Okay. I get it. Your grandfather is a Superman. You know, he stands out above the rest. Wonderful. However, in general, people that would smoke three packs of Pall Malls per day are not going to be considered healthy people. So are we okay with generalities on here? Is that is that fine? Does that make sense? Makes sense
2: well- to me. We're going to get our heads
0: bitten off by those uh, those, those Superman smoker <sighs> people, but
2: that's fine. We'll, we'll live with it.
0: Those people, by the way, and it's the people that are always calling people out for speaking the in generalities, of they bug the crap out of me. It's the same people. These are the people on the internet that are saying, you're making a straw man argument. That's an ad hominem. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, it's still an argument, dumbass. It's okay. You know, you could go along with it or not engage. You don't have to call everybody out for making their straw man or ad hominem. Um, we, we don't do that. Generalities are going to be just fine on the show. Okay, so that, that's rule number one. Rule number two, if you are going to speak in a generality, so you got a theory about anything, at least back it up with something. Okay, now it doesn't have to be necessarily – right. <laughs> Scientific (laughs) fact, okay? But you're going to have to bring something to back up your assertion, okay? At least the guy that's making my grandfather smoke three packs of Paul Mall's thing going, at least he's backing it up with something. He's saying at least I've seen it with my own eyes and he's got something to back it up with. So I'm okay with you guys making any assertion in the world, okay? As long as you're backing it up with something. you want to say that the moon is made out of blue cheese. I'm okay with that. If you're backing it up with with the fact that the moon is white or, you know, has little dots of green in it from the mold that are in uh, uh, blue cheese, whatever it is, you have to have something to back up your assertion. Okay. So that's rule number two. And rule number three, if you have theory, it's, we're, we're shooting for 80% accuracy. So the 80-20 rule applies in all your theories. If it's 80% of the time. So four out of five, eight out of 10, whatever math you wanna do, I am okay with an 80-20 argument. Cool, we're all on the same page? That's fun. Okay, yeah. so we, we've set the actual ground rules. Now, the reason why I wanted to set the ground rules is because I do want to address something right away that I think people have been on. So the name of our podcast is the Real Men Eat Plants podcast. Now, the reason that it's called that, and this goes way back, but there was a commercial at one point in time, and I don't remember if it was like Hardee's or Burger King or whatever the hell it was. It could have been for something. It might even have been like Swanson Home Meals, you know, those those Swanson frozen dinners. That they used to have that would have Salisbury steak in them and then would have like peas and carrots and there'd be like an apple cobbler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eric Has no idea what we're talking about, (laughs) but like old people would eat these frozen dinners um, at at one point in time, Eric. Yeah, it was it was a big deal when they made a What's that? Yeah, they have like the Hungry Man. Hungry Man, thing there you pink. go. Yep, that is, yeah. that is made by Swanson. And I think with part of the Hungry Man line of products that they have is that they had a commercial and they said, real men eat meat. Okay, and now this propaganda basically has gone in every single commercial that you have that you saw for a long stretch of time. And so there was a real theory that real men would eat meat. You would see like a big burger and a guy chowing down on it. And they kind of explore this a little bit in the movie, The Game Changers, which I think is going to pop up on almost every episode that we do. But anyways, um, they, they go through this whole propaganda thing about how real men eat meat. And the big voice guy would come in and uh, whatever. They would hire some chach like me to do the, the real men eat voiceover. And so you would have that. And, yes, Eric, you like that word chach. Um, I'm going to throw that one out there. I mean,
2: that's, a new, that's a new
0: one. That's a so new I one? <laughs> the, the, the old, is that an old radio thing To me, it's, like, really old. Uh, <laughs> did you ever hear that, Sarah, the word chotch? Yeah, yeah okay. And I don't it, know if it was it short. Like that- Go ahead.
3: Yeah. No, I was gonna say it sounds like something
0: I've heard. Something that I you think. heard. I, I, I don't know if old men say it or or whatever, but chach. Um, I don't know if it's short for Chachi Arcola. Um, For those of you that might have watched Happy Days back in the day, and so there was the Fonz, and the Fonz was cool, and then he had Chachi was supposed to be like his cool little nephew or something like that, and Chach, I think, kind of got shortened from Chachi, and maybe I'm completely wrong, and maybe Urban Dictionary needs to know about it. But anyways, this Chach voiceover guy comes in and says real men eat meat and it gets ingrained in your head and so that's where this whole come this whole thing comes from is that you could be a real man and not eat meat. You could be a real man and eat plants. And then then people start getting angry about what real man means today. Because in our kind of woke environment and cancel culture and stuff like that, if you say real man, the one thing that I think people immediately want to go with, especially people that are woke, is that they're going with toxic masculinity. And I'm really not a huge fan of the term toxic masculinity because I do think that there is some value to a real man or men and women or whatever the hell you want to be. But I think there is some value going back to our 80-20 rule of, of, of theories, okay? 80% 80% of the population, in my theory, identify as like a man or a woman, and they they kind of have these roles defined as to what they mean, okay, or what that actually means. So, you know, in my day, you would grow up, and there was a role that was kind of assigned to you, and as a man, you had to do certain things, and so this is what I, I want to address when it comes to the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, what real man means, and I'll, I'll throw it out to you guys. Uh, just so I could shut up a little bit and take a sip of coffee here that uh, I haven't been able to do since the start of the show. And maybe we'll we'll start with Sarah. So if you hear the term real man, Sarah, what the hell does that mean to you? What is What's a real man?
3: A real man is a man who is comfortable in his own skin and knows that there are other realities out there. A real man isn't one who goes, I'm a man, and nothing can stop me from what I say or do because I'm right all the time. Um, The other thing is I'm here uh, because I love this concept. I'm a vegetarian, and I have a son who's 15. He's an athlete, and he eats everything that comes into view, (laughs) and it includes a lot of meat, and I'm hoping that I can learn a lot more. Uh, with this real men eat plants and share that with him as often as humanly possible. And his buddies who, because they don't have their licenses yet, get Mama Sarah here Mm -hmm. driving. (laughs) I'll share stuff with them. Um, I also, as the vegetarian mom, end up serving less meat just sort of by nature. Um, So when I hear the term real men or real man, you can eat whatever you want. But Keep an open mind as far as food, for God's sake. Well,
0: let's let's explore I mean, this a little bit. So if now, you,
3: if it's good for you, you talk, It's just like the cigarettes. Yeah, you talked about the cigarette thing. I get it. There may be these some people who eat a steak every day and they live, okay, and don't exercise. Most of them, that wouldn't work, but it could. Uh, my thought is, let's lower that beef intake a little bit. Let's start there. You know, it's kind of just like how you begin becoming a
0: vegetarian so now Sarah you are a a healthy um what is the, the the term today it's not heterosexual woman is it cisgendered is that what what that means Eric would probably know better i, I I'm deferring to you for definitions here
2: okay that's and that's a tough assignment because I'm still probably not the best uh, you know in defining that but I think you are correct as far as I understand cisgendered is like, I guess what we would consider like standard baseline, like you're
0: a heterosexual. Okay. Let me put it Correct. this way, Sarah. Correct.
3: And I, I can tell you, I Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
0: Sarah yeah. likes um, men. She's attracted to men. If Sarah decides that she's going to have, um, sexual relations today, Sarah's going to do that with a man. so is that, is that correct? Are we defining this correctly, Sarah? That okay, is correct. perfect. That so is we correct. got,
3: I have, I have
0: a fiance. Yes, we got, we I'll, got Sarah marrying... who has a fiance. Now okay. Sarah was attracted to her fiance for certain qualities and her fiance, I'm going to say, we're going to call him a cisgendered male. He is attracted to women and so this is how this whole thing is working between you. Have, have I got this correct so far? This is, these are, okay. We, we have it defined correctly. Good, because I want to get to this point. Sarah, why are you attracted to, to John? Why are you attracted to your fiance?
3: I can't count the reasons. He's a fantastic guy. I was attracted to him mm. physically. Um, that always is the first thing. Um, but then I love his sense of humor. We love to do the same things. We love and get along really well living together. We learned uh, we've been together eight years. So when people say, "I hate calling him my fiance," frankly, because people say, "Oh, when's the wedding?" <laughs> we've been together for so long and we're engaged, but when's the wedding isn't even on the planning map. We just kind of good because
0: it. because when's um, the wedding kind of changes I everything. Because once you have the wedding, then that's your cue to start being mean to him, Sarah. That's how that works yeah
3: <laughs> right
1: right
0: right
3: Right. but anyway i i, I never cared that he uh mm-hmm. ate meat, and at our first date i i think he had fish but he um he had meat at, at, when we dated early on and i didn't and he didn't judge me for that that's important to me too i haven't had very many people judge me but i've had people be annoyed by it i i'm a cheap date and it's easy for me to offer excuse me order off of okay. any menu I'll just take the take So the going sides. back
0: to besides the fact that you're cheap, Sarah. Oh, wait, I mean I mean cheap date. Um what we have, hey. <laughs> <laughs> what we have here all right is is you're attracted to him physically. He's got a sense of humor. Um I think these are things that you know you could start defining as real man. Is that is that right? I mean we we could say yeah, physically Absolutely. attractive sense of Absolutely. humor. Um, let's see. Does he does he work hard or is he it yeah, intelligence you like? Um it does he does he work hard or mm-hmm. is he the kind of guy that sits at home and plays yes. video games all day and
3: he works hard he you know yesterday mowed the lawn went to costco okay so
0: all these things are defining good guy um eric your your thoughts okay real mad being a real man yourself and if you're watching us on youtube you can see eric is all tatted up eric can grow a beard eric's got a cool haircut all right eric's into sports because he coaches you know track and field and all of this kind of stuff eric is a man's man okay eric what what defines real man for you okay so i think without trying to do so
2: sarah hit on i guess what i think defines a man because there are rules that we live by like there's a code right wait and, bro, and code? Rich, actually, man, bro code i think you're talking about broke that party there's a bro code right so Rich, I think you, it might've been you, like a couple of years ago, you posted something um, for your son, Joey. It was like rules that he should live by, like things that you want, like rules that you want him to follow and just to, to be a good person. And those, th- those are things like you stand up when you shake a person's hand, you look them in the eye, you uh, like there's responsibilities and you stand up to those responsibilities. I think those are some of the key rules and like I think Sarah would agree that John is follows those those types of things. Yep. And like, to, it doesn't matter like what you look like. Like, there's every, all across the board. There's different sizes, shapes, all that stuff, right? So, what do we have to go by to define that? And I think those rules are a good way to determine what makes a real man. So you know, there's all those stories about um, a household where maybe the A child grows up without their father. Not a real man. doesn't matter what they look like, how much they lift or
0: whatever, but it's just
2: you have to follow those rules. So that's, I guess, the short version in my book.
0: Of how I love it. I, I look at man. it, you know, this way and I, I kind of try to define myself by this. Um, I think you need to treat people with respect when, when you're a real man. I, I think that matters whether you're talking to someone who's working in fast food or you're talking to a CEO of a company. People deserve that same kind of respect. I have no respect for people that will treat a CEO of a company really well and then turn around and treat a waiter like crap. Um, I mean, I think that is mm-hmm. the kind of worst kind of person that out there and I I would hate to be that kind of person so I think treating people um, with respect word is your bond to me is like a big one and so I think like as a real man I think life in general is 90% just showing up where and when you said you were going to show up so like people who take jobs and the job starts at nine o'clock in the morning and they're continually showing up at 905 um, you're you're not sticking to your word, all right? Why did you take the job then if you can't show up at nine o'clock when you said you were going to show up? So I, I think saying that you're going to be somewhere and doing something, um, you know, I think is is huge. And one thing that I want to explore, and we're going to get into this, and I know we're we're kind of short on time for this segment, but putting your money where your mouth is. So there are people that say, and even men that will say, well, you know, I I love men, or I love animals. Oh, some of them will say I love men. I love animals. Um, I I care about the environment. And then they'll do things that don't do that. They don't walk the walk. They'll they'll, they'll say something and they don't end up backing it up. I think, you know, in The Matrix, there was a, a pretty good argument. Lawrence Fishburne comes in and he tells Neo that there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. And there are things that you know that you should do. And then not do them. And I don't think that makes you a real man when you know that you should do something and then you do it. and You walk that path. Um, I think that's where we separate the boys from the real men or the people from the real people. And just so people don't even get more upset, if you check out our website at realmeneatplants.com, There's Real Women Eat Plants, and by the way, they're getting their own website. There's a Real People Eat Plants. We are all about everybody, so I don't want to hear this. You guys aren't inclusive crap. We're super inclusive. Real Men Eat Plants podcast episode number one is underway, and in fact, we are going to talk to somebody who not only talks the talk, but walks the walk. Austin Aries, a professional wrestler, and you've seen him like, uh, on Impact and WWE, and he's written a book. This guy lives the life that he talks about all the time, and that is not always hard to do. And He's been under the gun from it, and he's had controversy and all that kind of stuff, and he's a really cool, interesting guy. And our chat with him is coming up right after this. All right, I've got something that I think is pretty cool to tell you about right now, and that is our partnership with Paul's Party. That's right. The Real Men Eat Plants podcast has teamed up with Paul's Party, a charity that funds fun, and that's F-U-N, all capitalized, for kids with physical disabilities. Now, here's how it works. Just go to our website, realmeneatplants.com, and click on the link for our Paul's Party fundraiser. All through the month of August, we are splitting funds 50-50 with this awesome charity your contribution of six bucks will help pay for the costs of our very fine podcast as well as raise some serious coin for paul's party now paul was a great kid who passed away at the age of 15 but his mom wanted to remember him by having a party on the anniversary of his death to help raise money for local charities well they ended up bringing in over fifteen thousand dollars and with that a new 501c3 was born Paul's Party does some amazing events like Paul Palooza, which is Sunday, August the 28th at the beautiful Wisconsin Brewing Company in Verona, Wisconsin. Yeah, there's going to be bands there all day long. Great food and some delicious Wisconsin Brewing Company beer. You got to like that. Now, I would like to present them a big, fad, oversized check with a generous donation courtesy of our podcast subscribers on that day. Again, just go to our podcast page on realmeneatplants.com or click on the link or go even to patreon.com and type Real Men Eat Plants into the search and give today. Thank you so much for your support and a special thanks to Kathy, Paul's mom, for making all of this possible. All right, our guest today is a professional wrestler who has wrestled for Impact, Ring of Honor, and of course the WWE. He is a multi-time world champion and world tag team champion having held 14 total championships. He has spent time behind the mic as well, working as a color commentator and lending his voice to video games like WWE 12, which by the way, is a very good game to play. Uh, He's been vegan since 2011 and has even appeared in PETA videos, encouraging the life style oh and by the way is the self-proclaimed greatest man who ever lived please welcome to the real men eat plants podcast yes it is the one the only austin aries wow, that's
1: quite the introduction thank you rich
0: eric, eric. trying to fit it all in there you know i, I don't know if we can do uh you're, you're, you're probably used to that, right? Yeah. I mean, so uh, I think you have played a face, though. You've been a heel. Uh, which one do you like more? What's uh, what's more satisfying for you as a wrestler?
1: I'm sorry. I, I, I missed you I just on that last part. What was the question? Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, so
0: um, I, I know you've, you've been a face. You've been a heel. Which one do you like more as, as a wrestler? Which one's more satisfying for you?
1: Um, well, I think I've always enjoyed uh, getting under people's skin, right? And I've always said this is why. Um, in real life, a lot of times, uh, the bad guys win, right? You know, if we look into politics or corporate structure, right, these things, uh, sometimes the people with the worst qualities find their way to the top. And and so what, what for me is really satisfying is I can take a lot of these things these evils around me and i can i can be that become that portray that get under people's skin make them angry and then give them the satisfaction at the end of when i get beat i get paid um you know i figure the lower i can take them down here the higher i can bring them at the end when i finally get my comeuppance when i get what i deserve and we don't always get that in real life so in pro wrestling i'm able to give that to them and the first part of that is is making them really emotionally invested in disliking me. And and the more I can take them down there, the higher I can bring them at the end when I finally get, get my just due. So um, I think even in real life, it's always been a little, you know, if you ever tried to make everybody like you, it's really, it's exhausting and it's, it's it's an impossible feat, you know? And so I think it's always easier just kind of be true to yourself and um, you know, you're going to find out who resonates with you. Some people are going to like you, some people aren't. And that's just the way you roll.
0: Now, I want to throw you this know, out. I was looking through uh, some of your matches, uh, getting ready for this. And, uh, oh, Eric, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man.
2: Oh, we we have a, we have both uh, kind of jumped in at, there at the same time, but I, I wanted to go into just a little bit of that background. You're from uh, Milwaukee area, and then uh, Roderick Strong also has Wisconsin ties. So, was that an intentional thing in that in that partnership between you two, or did that just work out that way?
1: No, we just got thrown together with Generation Next, and uh, you know we just kind of clicked, and then we you know formed a tag team. That's tag had some pretty good success pretty good. with that. Um, but yeah, but you no, know, there there was there was. There was there was not two. There were. That was not part of That's the equation. Just chance.
0: Yes, having some of those Wisconsin ties means that some of your fandom uh, I know this is for it's for the Packers and the Bucks and the Brewers and and looking at those teams, I mean, the Packers have a legitimate shot at going to a Super Bowl. The Brewers are definitely playoff contenders. They have a shot at a World Series. The Bucks have won a championship and definitely can get back there. Has there ever been a better time to be a sports fan in the state of Wisconsin than right now? No,
1: it's uh you know, a lot of success for not being a huge market. It's funny, I talk about my book. I open the book and I talk about how Wisconsin might be the most, like you know, cheese-loving place in the world. But you think about these three sports teams, right? You got the Packers who literally wear pieces of cheese on their heads to celebrate. You have the the Brewers who have the sausage races uh, around the stadium. And then you have the bucks who are named after deer that we shoot and put up on our station wagon once a year. So, you know, to come from that environment and find a way into plant-based lifestyle isn't the norm because everything around us is, is anti that if you really look at it.
0: Yeah, I actually talk about being behind the cheddar curtain where we are, because we're actually broadcasting yeah. from Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. And so being vegan up here is not the easiest thing in the world. I've only had to do it for, for a couple of years. But there's a lot of pressure on you to eat cheese and to eat meat, um, especially in a state like Wisconsin, isn't there?
1: Absolutely. And that was my transition. It was, you know, I went plant-based in, in uh, 2000, actually. Uh, yeah, 2000, the same year I started wrestling. Wrestling, but It was that 10-year transition of lying to myself about dairy and milk and how I, you know, calcium and protein and the cows don't die and all these things. Uh, because again, you know, that's basically religion in Wisconsin is cheese. So eventually I was able to, I was able to, you know, come to my senses and and get rid of that too. (laughs) I wanted to
2: you know, expand on that too, because you know, it is sort of not the norm. And then, um, you know, you had that window, you said you were kind of just, uh, uh lying to yourself about what the what the truth was and then figuring fingering your way. So did you notice anything in your body and your in your just training the time period where you weren't, you know, maybe hundred percent all in on the vegan thing or, you know, and then once you, you know, did twenty eleven, I'm fully vegan and, you know, you know, whatever that time frame looked right. like, did your body feel any different in that time frame?
1: Not noticeably, I think, because it was such a gradual transition. I think the most noticeable difference is I pulled up a couple of pictures from my college days before I went on this journey of of being a conscious consumer, as I like to say. And some of those pictures in my, you know, eating the college food and the Domino's pizza and spending a lot of nights in the bar, um, I looked way different. I was skinny, fat. I looked healthy. Um, You know, my transition into this lifestyle (laughs) coincided with me beginning my wrestling career because now I had to really refocus on being an athlete, figure out how to get my body in the condition I needed it in. And so when I started to look and actually try to educate myself about my food choices, that's when I uncovered all these dirty secrets that were were not, you know, enlightened to. And then as I kept peeling back these layers and learning more and learning more, that you know that transition just continued to snowball, and um, you know I said there's really no finish line. I'm always questioning the things I think I believe or the new information that's out there. Um, so, but what I did notice is that I didn't have any. I didn't have a hard time putting size on. You know, I probably gained 20 to 25 pounds of muscle once I transitioned. Um, you know, my recovery time has always been really good. I I'm in my 40s now. I'm still performing at a high level. Um, You know, I think I still look good for my age. I feel good for my age, all things considered, 22 years of wrestling um, and wear and tear. But I think that that's all contributed now to this lifestyle I've led for 20 years, right? It's it's not necessarily something you're going to notice a huge difference immediately, but I think long-term and longevity-wise, it'll definitely pay off.
0: You know, you, you talk about um, your early years as, as a wrestler, and I want to go back to that because there, there had to be a point or a moment where you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm going to do this because you're an athletic guy, you were playing other sports, but wrestling, wow, I mean, it's it's tough on the body, it's tough on the mind, it's it's a lot of grinding um, that, that you have to do and a lot of injuries. What What made you go down that path? Now, I'm thinking to myself, you know, back when I was watching wrestling as a kid in the 80s, you know, it was Macho Man, it was Hulk Hogan, it was it was WrestleMania three, which I thought was like the, the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, that, that made me eventually, I was even doing ring announcing for professional wrestling. I loved it. I, I loved everything about it. Um, what, what was it for you? What, what was it that grabbed you? Or was it certain wrestlers that made you say, yep, this is what I want to do?
1: Uh, so, I mean, I grew up a huge wrestling fan. I, I grew up watching the, you know, the Crockett promotions, the Horseman, Dusty. Magnum TA, you know, that, you know, that time period. Obviously, AWA was, was pretty popular in the Milwaukee Midwest area. That was some of the first shows I went to, um, you know, five, six years old. Um, but the idea of becoming a pro wrestler never really entered my mind um, because, again, you know, pre, pre-Google and pre-internet, you didn't have the information of how you would even go about that. There wasn't wrestling schools. You couldn't Google wrestling schools and find these things out. And it was still a very protected industry. You had to kind of know somebody to know somebody to get you in the door. You know, I grew up thinking I was going to be a baseball player. Then I I started drinking coffee and doing some recreational drugs at too early of an age and stunted my growth, which then (laughs) put a cap on the the baseball career. Um, So for me, you know, I I went to college to play baseball and fizzled out after a couple of years realizing that wasn't really what I wanted to do and then uh i was talking to an old child uh childhood friend who was training in minneapolis with eddie sharkey uh, and terry fox and i knew the name eddie sharkey from a lot of the midwest guys that have come out of there like the road warriors and rick Roode and uh barry darso and, and, and the like and so i drove up there to check it out because i kind of I, I didn't believe him like what do you mean you're just training to be a wrestler like there's a school like what are you talking about and yeah, I, I saw I, I went there and I saw this ring set up in in a garage, uh, and I immediately I immediately knew this is what I wanted to do. I was at that age where I was searching for my path in life. What am I supposed to do with my life? And all of a sudden, this kind of smacked me across the face. This opportunity was real, and um, I think at that age too, you know, ignorance is bliss. You don't think about the journey, you don't think about all the sacrifice. You just kind of dive in headfirst because you're like, oh, I have something that. I want to do and it's and it's a possibility. I moved up on, on my buddy's couch a week later, um, you know, gave half of the $500 I had uh, in my account to, to, to my down payment to start training, started giving plasma twice a week to make some money doing odd jobs and you know, <laughs> do whatever I had to do to pay my dues. There was no GoFundMe, you know, I couldn't put up a GoFundMe account mm-hmm. on my Instagram or whatever. So, um, but it just I never, the idea of not accomplishing this never crossed my mind because it, it, it all was right in front of me. I just had to put the, the work in and just put the time in and I knew that I had the tools and it was just a matter of continuing to to dedicate myself to that journey. And I think part of that too is when you're enjoying the journeys and you're not just focused on the, the finish line or, or the results, um, that's the key to success. I think sometimes we get so fixated on where we're trying to get to We don't enjoy the process of getting there, and that to me is where the real value is.
2: And I think people, you know, like you said, kind of get locked into that uh, that journey, that destination of what they're trying to do. And um, you know, you've had you've been fortunate to have you know these avenues, and you know, I think that's uh, you know a testament to you know, where this, this sport, this industry has come from and where it's going. And, and I'm curious too, because, you know, being on the road as much as you are and, uh, and, and just the, 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 diet change, um, to, to being a vegan, are there a lot of wrestlers who live that same lifestyle or is that something that's kind of, uh, you know, is that still on the, on the rise?
1: Um, yeah, it's still, it's still a fringe. I mean, there, there's more now today than there was when I started, you know, uh, 20 years ago on this, on this path and. Um, you know, I still think though, it's still a, a very much of a kind of meathead bodybuilder mentality, right? Because we're all trying to be body guys and keep muscle on. And that conventional wisdom says that you need to eat dead flesh to build muscle. Even though I always asked, people say, where do you get your protein? I said, well, where does the cow get its protein? And they go, well, grass. I said, well, I just cut out the middleman and just go to the source, you know? It's, you know. <laughs> so it all, com- it all comes from the sun to plants. And then from there, it gets utilized. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, it, I've seen it transition over the years. Obviously it's easier now than ever to, to follow a plant-based diet. Um, but for me, it's always just been a, a, again, where do you put your priorities? You know, where do you put your, put your resources, your time, your money, your energy. And so, you know, I put a little extra, uh, bit of my resources to- towards these things. So I'm always prepared whenever I travel, I, I travel with my cooler. I've always have, you know, whether it's pre-cooked lentils or, Bars or fruit, like I always have something with me, no matter where I go. Because a airline food's garbage. Two, you know, convenience store food's garbage. Anything after a show at at midnight or one in the morning is going to be garbage. So why do I want to put myself in a position to have to feel like I'm forced to to you know pay for these subpar foods when I can just you know prepare a little bit ahead of time, bring bring a few things that I can always have with me. So no matter where I'm at, I've got some food. Available. If the guys want to go to the steakhouse, that's fine. I bring my packet of beluga lentils and I dump it in the in the spinach salad, and I can hang out with everybody and 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 eat just just the same.
0: Yeah, and you do have to plan ahead. I tell you what, that's one thing I've learned about being plant based and and vegan. If you don't plan ahead, sometimes you're not eating. Basically, you know what. But Rich, the
1: reality is, is even if it's not plant based, if you're just trying to eat quality food, if you don't plan Mm -hmm. ahead, because The unfortunate reality is 90% of everything you're going to find in a grocery store, in a convenience store, or fast food is garbage. It's not good for you. So if you're trying to be conscious about what you eat, whether that's plant-based or not, you kind of have to take that into your own hands. And again, my book isn't about trying to make people go vegan. It's about becoming a conscious consumer and realizing the most powerful vote we have is with our pocketbook. It's with our dollar, where we spend it, right? So I don't care about going to the voting polls. I do care about not supporting things I don't believe in or that aren't good for me. And 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 there's a power in that. Once you decide to educate yourself, there's a real power in understanding as a consumer, I hold the keys. Nobody forced me to buy these things. Yes, they market to me. Yes, they try to sell it to me and they have, you know, inordinate amounts of money to do that but ultimately it's my decision to put it in my shopping cart and purchase it or put it in my in my mouth we are what we can we, we we become what we consume whether that's what we eat and drink what we watch what we listen to who we listen to and I think a lot of us just kind of walk through life on autopilot thinking that completely unconscious to this reality and and then expecting these people uh or corporations who aren't beholden to us right they we're trusting them with our health and our well-being. For what reason? I'm not quite sure. Because these people have never been shown to be trustworthy or caring when it comes to the consumer.
2: No, and I know uh, you know you hit on something that's. Uh, and I don't know if you, you dove into my you know history a little bit. So I'm I'm coaching track and field. I work with high school athletes, and and one of the things that I try to teach the kids too is that diet is not just the things that you eat. And you hit that right on the head. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, but I also want to give you a second to uh, talk about anything else that's in that book that you feel is worthwhile. I'm sure there's some other stories in there from your wrestling, uh, you know, your, your past and and present.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really just, it, 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 kind of chronicles my upbringing in a Midwest upbringing, lower middle-class family, eating all the regular foods that, you know, all of us that grew up in the eighties were eating. Um, and how I just thought that was normal. I never really thought much beyond that. Um, And then it just talks about these seeds that were planted along the way that eventually sprouted and led me down this journey. One was at an early age, my grandparents uh, had a farm. So, you know, I, I grew up, you know, visiting out there. And I remember one day feeding, feeding grass to the cow through the fence and having this moment, right? This, this two living creatures looking in each other's eyes, I'm feeding this cow. And I thought to myself, I wonder what it's thinking right now. Like, we're it's, it's obviously looking at me, we're having this connection, what is it thinking? What is it feeling? And that was the actual like, light bulb of like, oh, it is thinking it is feeling right. It's not just some object. So we have this moment of this, you know, this interaction between two, you know, two uh, sentient beings. And then it was, hey, dinner's ready. And we're eating hamburgers and, and, and sausages, you know, Italian sausages, and I made the connection. And it was off-putting. It didn't feel right to me. But at that age, if you want dessert, you eat what's on your plate, right? I mean, it's just that simple. But that was a seed that was planted, that, I, that always stuck in the back of my head, you know? Um, and so it just really talks about my journey and then how the question of, hey, red meat and pork isn't good for you and how I wanted to kind of, you know, I wanted to debunk that. So let me go, let me go do this research so I can tell this guy he's wrong and then realizing he wasn't wrong. And not only wasn't he wrong about that, but as I kept learning more and more and more, I realized not only is red meat and pork not good for me, but literally everything I've grown up eating and that they advertised to me is not good for me. And that completely changed my worldview, right? Not just about diet, but just how I view the world and how much trust and faith I put into what I'm told by, by the powers that be. Because when you realize that they've been lying to you and misleading you and that they profit off of sickness and stupidity, they don't profit off of healthy, intelligent people in this system. They profit off of sick and stupid people. So everything is designed to keep you ignorant and make you and keep you sick as much as they can because that's their customer base. We don't want to prevent disease. We don't want to cure disease because we lose a customer. We treat disease. But before we can treat disease, we have to give you disease. Well, let me start with cow's milk. At an early age, let me start with kids' cereal, which is anti nutritional garbage that we give a whole aisle to in, in the shopping market, right? Three kinds of sugar, GMO corn and, and, and wheat. And we call that a good way to start the day. It's all bullshit. Excuse my language. Uh, you can bleep me out if you need to. Language is but allowed it is. here. It's okay. And so my book. Talk- <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I try to be, you know, PG 14. But my book talks about. My book talks about this, this revelation and realization of the system that I'm living in and how it's set up for me to fail and that it was up to me to hack the system by educating myself. And there's a reason that Kellogg's and Nestle and all these companies spend all this amount of money to figure out how to market to you and to, and to trap you into the products. Because once you get smart to the game and you detach from them, they never get my money again. McDonald's will never get another penny from me right? Coca-Cola, you know, will never get another penny from me. I'm smart to the game. I'm no longer someone that they're going to profit from. Right. And so that's why so much money and time is spent to keep us ignorant to this, because once you get smart to it and you see the facade and you detach from it, you're free from it. And now you live a healthy, happy life. I don't worry about pharmaceutical drugs. I don't, you know, I don't worry about my health insurance premiums. I don't, I don't play into this game. Right. And there's a whole nother system set up. And so my book just kind of talks about that and how that journey coincided with my wrestling career and how I felt that the two really were integrated in, in my success, where taking taking this knowledge now of food and, and being healthy was a, a key component for my success for the last 20 years.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm so glad that you bring up, you know, how people are kind of programmed and taught because my wife teaches 4k. And so the teacher that she was teaching with one day that they're handing out milk to the kids and a lot of the kids don't want to drink it, which I think is just kind of a natural inclination that they don't. But the one teacher's telling them, drink your milk, kids. It's good for you. And my wife took her aside and said, you know, maybe you should do a little research on this because you might not want to tell the kids that it's good for you. And when that teacher actually did some research, she came back the next day and said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm really not going to push this on kids. But the government program's in place. You have to serve that milk to the kids. That's a, that's a fact. We're I mean, it's crazy. We're
1: paying for this milk to be cheap. We're not consuming it anymore. They're literally dumping this out, but they're still taking our tax money to subsidize it. And it, it just... I always go back to this like when I when I go and speak on this topic right I try to always go back to just common sense law of nature and so milk is designed for babies right if you look at every species on the planet milk is specifically designed for babies until they can eat their species specific diet we're the only species that thinks it's somehow good to continue consuming milk after we're babies But hold on, not even our milk that's been formulated for us. We drink another species milk completely. And there's nowhere else in in nature where we see this happening. We don't see adult giraffes going and snacking on rhinoceros milk to wash down some leaves. We just don't see it. Nor (laughs) if if we need a blood transfusion. I'm certainly not going to go get a blood transfusion with cow's blood because it would make no sense. So now we consume this human growth formula for baby cows to become huge, you know, baby calves become huge cows. We consume this on a daily basis under the pretense it's good for us. And then we wonder why everyone's obese and has cancer. Well, it's a growth hormone. It's It tend, it grows things and it's growing things you probably don't want it to grow because if you're constantly filling yourself with toxic food, toxic news, toxic you know, things you're listening to and reading, well, guess what? It's going to grow. It's going to grow that that toxicity, right? And so, like, just from a common sense standpoint, it doesn't – I don't need to be a doctor or a scientist to understand that this doesn't make any sense in the law of nature.
2: Awesome. I do have a Absolutely bone – Absolutely not. Finger. You know how – Because is, how is it growth hormone and I'm 5'9", 160?
1: Like, how, that doesn't make any sense. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know – um, you know? Yeah, but but really, think, but but you think about it. When when did you stop consuming milk? How long ago?
2: Uh, I am not a hundred percent plant based, so You're I'm kind of like in that mode. But right, yeah,
0: yeah. He's he's we're we're trying to get him there. You know, um, I actually stopped. Yeah, I, I stopped a couple of years ago. I couldn't believe the difference. And dairy was one thing. I really thought that I'd have a hard time giving up and giving up cheeses and and. I tell you what, as soon as I gave it up, there was absolutely zero urge in my body to have it. And I realized, oh, that's the natural feeling I should be feeling. I'm not supposed to be inclined to drink milk.
1: And that's the whole thing is most of us don't have a baseline to compare it to because we've been consuming these things since before we were even walking. Right. So I was equated to if, if you came out of the womb and at a year old you were starting smoking cigarettes, you would never know what it feels like to run around the block without having cigarette lung, because you've never experienced it. So we think that we walk around with this, with, you know, being lethargic and having stomach discomfort. That's just how, the way it is. We also think it's normal that the cancer rates gone from half a percent of the population 100 years ago, to almost 40% of the population now, and nobody blinks by and just goes, Oh, that's just the way it is. No, that's not the way it is. There's there's a, something causing this. And there's probably multiple things that are causing this. But if we want to keep pretending that our decisions aren't to blame for our, for our issues, we're never going to solve them. So the dairy thing, you know, I always say too, if anyone ever went from drinking whole milk to then 2% milk to then skim milk, and then you go back and try to drink whole milk again, it's disgusting. They can't do it. Well, it's the same thing. When you cut dairy out altogether and you go back to, to drink it later on, you're going to realize it doesn't taste very good anymore. Your your taste buds have adapted. You know, it probably didn't taste very good the first few times you drank it, but you were so young, you couldn't say anything about it, you know?
0: You know, another thing, too, in consuming animals, um, one of the things that it does, it it creates these um, zoonotic diseases. And one zoonotic disease is COVID-19. So basically, it's diseases that come from animals, animal agriculture, producing and eating the consumption of animals, and yet... Nobody seems to want to stop. I mean, seriously, over 70% of all new diseases are zoonotic diseases that come from animals. And yet we can't put the two together and say, you know what, maybe if we stop all this, that we'll get way less disease.
1: Well, let's let's not discount the level four biolabs that some of these things might be coming from too rich. Right, um, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah' not to talk about that but um, yeah
0: I, I I was gonna try to broach that you know in, in a little finesse I know you had some some controversy oh. on Twitter with yeah, it all uh, yeah you know,
1: I, I don't we don't, I don't see the world. Maybe yeah, tell me to see it. You know, I, I, I'm a.
0: I'm a we don't need to go there. So, so what now for for Austin Aries? And and I'll I'll get back to the book in, in just a second. But but what now? What are you doing now? Are are you back into wrestling? What what's going on with you currently?
1: Yeah, I'm st- I'm still wrestling. Uh, you know, I'm actually heading to, to North Carolina this weekend for the Control Your Narrative uh, company that I'm working with. Um, and you know, we just announced we got a 24 show. Uh, and the city tour coming up, starting in October. So that's going to be a big undertaking. And you know, I'm helping obviously, uh, you know, with in ring competition, but then also helping in the back with some things. And and uh, you know, wearing a few different hats there. And uh, yeah, and just enjoying life and trying to figure out. You know, you know, I've got probably more behind me than in front of me as far as the wrestling career goes. So I'm trying to figure out what the next evolution is. You know, um, putting together right now, uh, you know, life coaching program. To help people, you know, just uh, improve their overall life, whether that's through their diet, through exercise, through different, you know, techniques of mindfulness, breathwork, meditation, which I find to be very helpful. Um, You know, so I'm just trying to just trying to figure these things out. You know, I think that um, the more we can share with one another, especially people who who are successful or looked at as being successful, if we're able to be vulnerable and transparent and share that we still struggle, we're still working on things, we're still trying to improve. We don't have it all figured out. Nobody ever has the puzzle figured out, you know. We just we do figure out how to stop jamming the wrong pieces in the wrong places, but the the, the puzzle's never complete, right? In life, there's always going to be things to continue to do. So um, I'm still enjoying the wrestling uh, for now, but I'm also looking at you know how I'm going to transition and, and what the next twenty years might look like.
0: Awesome, and it definitely you're a, you're a contemplative guy. Uh, you definitely are looking at life and, and trying to figure out, and I think a lot of your journey is, is the same journey and, and the same kind of information that I got, and I just couldn't leave it alone after a certain point. It's like, I, I got to follow this. I didn't want to do it. it. I liked the taste of meat, actually, at one point, but I, I realized, I mean, what it was doing to me and what it did to me health-wise, and uh, sure. it was absolutely the wrong path for me. The name of the book, Food Fight, My Plant-Based Journey from the Bingo Halls to the Big Time Austin Aries is the writer. You can find it on Amazon and anywhere else that you can buy a book. And, Austin, I'm I'm expecting a a signed copy somewhere along the way here too uh, because I'd love to to read it myself because it's definitely interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. and actually, let me me direct people not to Amazon, but let me direct them to Pro Wrestling Tees. I got a Pro Wrestling Tees store, and it's best to order. Yeah, best to order the copy from there. The ones on Amazon, uh, I think someone is reselling those. And and I think someone said they saw one on there listed for like $90 or something. Mm. Please do not spend $90 on my book uh, while I would (laughs) get it from Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, That's the best place to buy it.
0: Excellent. So good stuff to know. Austin, you've been an absolute delight. We'd love to have you back on later and see how your career is progressing. And we thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being here, man. Good stuff.
1: Thank you, John. Thank
0: you. All right. Time to tell you about Veg Reg. Yeah. Vegreg.com helps you find plant based restaurants and businesses in just one year click and if you are a vegan friendly business they can help you get found if you're searching for healthy cruelty free meal options in your local area vegredge is the perfect solution another great thing about vegredge they have recipes and when I say recipes I mean real recipes a bacon lovers BLT cookie dough protein bites, penne Arrabiata. now that's the entree and not the character from The Sopranos, and even a vanilla bean, that's vanilla bean, he said, cheesecake, and they are all plant-based. You can also find Spotlight Vegan Businesses and more when you click on over to VegReg.com. I would say tell them that Rich sent you, but, you know, it's a website and no one would hear you. That's VegReg.com. She's a mom with
1: vegetables, she's so delectable. The cows and pigs, she set them free, can't you see? She's a hot chickpea, veggie stew, just for you. Sit on down, there's these are two. cows and pigs she set them free can't you see she's a hot chick be Reggie do just for do sit on
0: down there is these are too what a lead in oh my goodness that is absolutely perfect as we do our first ever news segment and bring in actually the star of the news, someone who knows what she's actually doing, not like us. Yes, it is the one, the only Sarah Carlson with news. Hello, Sarah. What you got for us today?
3: Hey there, Rich. You give me too much credit. Knows what I'm doing. Ha ha. So first story here. Are you a big Skittles fan? Or I am a
0: huge Skittles fan. fan. Okay. So
3: uh, they're everybody's favorite candy. Oh. However, You may want to think twice. This is based on allegations of Skittles being, quote, unfit for human consumption. I kid you not.
0: I I saw something about this. And so back in the day, yeah, when I was in the army and and, and this was a big deal, basic training, and I remember you could not have any outside food at all. But the one thing that we would constantly sneak in from the PX is those one pound bag of Skittles. You ever seen those? They're just gigantic, and we would just be. I think my kids have
3: snuck them in. I think my kids have snuck them in. So there's a California man suing Mars, that's the company that makes the sweet candies, claiming that they use it's the use of something called titanium dioxide in the candy, making it dangerous. So this coloring agent, that's what it is, is not illegal in the U.S. Shocker, although it's soon to be banned in Europe. The FDA permits its use in most foods, but, and I have this in uh, all caps for myself, the FDA restricts it to 1%. Mars says it's done nothing wrong, yada, yada, yada. Now, this is a class action lawsuit arguing that Mars failed to warn consumers about the potential dangers. Now, here's why. Mars announced back in 2016 it would remove all artificial coloring from its products over the following months five years phasing it out later clarifying that titanium dioxide was one it would quote phase out
0: what's okay
3: and it's 2022.
0: So, so, so the here's European... the thing, and I'm glad you, you actually brought up Europe, okay? So now my wife <laughs> is, right. she's Polish. And when I mean like Polish, like she was born in Poland. All of her family's in Poland, didn't come to the United States until she was like 22 years old. Um, and at that point only spoke Polish and Russian because that's what they used to teach them back in the day when they were under communist rule. But the first time I went to Poland. Now they have everything there that we have here, including Coca-Cola. And I tried Coca-Cola and I'm like, wait a second, this doesn't taste like the Coca-Cola in the United States. And I had to find out what the ingredients are. Now, if you go through the list of ingredients of Coca-Cola products in the U.S., there's a lot of chemical crap that are put put in there. In Europe, now, especially in Poland, they, they got like these strict rules about what can go in stuff. It's made with carbonated water and vegetable extract. Now, the thing about oh, wow. it is, yeah, it tasted like Coca Cola and there, there's sugar in there too, um, as well, but not the high fructose corn syrup. So it's basically carbonated water, vegetable extract and. This and sugar, they, they're not even allowed to use like dyes like they do in every soda that we have. My goodness, like Mountain Dew and Sunkiss and stuff they're, they're not allowed to do that kind of stuff. Now, the thing about it, it tasted like Coke. It was delicious. It would be flat in like 10 seconds. though. you would open up a two liter <laughs> bottle uh, and it was, I mean, absolutely flat as can be Um, as quick as can be. But anyways, it, it was it was Coke. And it was fine. Yeah. And for people, yeah. uh, that was that was okay. So in all their foods, it was kind of like that. They, they didn't allow all these chemicals that we do in the United States, which by the way, oh, yeah, it, it's a laundry list of crap that you could put in your body in this country, and they don't well, tell you is, yeah. about it. And I love that this lawsuit's happening because I'm thinking it's like the tip it's of a like very big iceberg. iceberg. If skittles falls, everything falls. There's going to be, like, well, a domino effect.
3: Here, that's, <laughs> that's a perfect segue to this. So the European regulators are afraid an accumulation of titanium dioxide in your body could cause genotoxicity, which is the ability for DNA damage potentially causing cancer. So if this is just one little thing, imagine. However, uh, Sour Patch Kids Nerds and Swedish Fish are good to go. So,
0: okay. So they don't, have okay. they don't have titanium dioxide?
3: They don't have it in it. We had this conversation on a family vacation recently and started looking at everything for titanium dioxide. But then when you start reading the back of the Diet Coke I'm drinking, I'm like, really? How much better off am I?
0: Absolutely. I yeah. I mean, no. the, the absolute crap that you put in and you're not even aware of it. Like I used to read it. I had given up on Skittles for a while because it had gelatin in it. And so like a lot of candies you, you have to watch out for, especially ones like jelly beans and gummy worms. And uh, my, my son, yeah. who absolutely loves those Haribo like gummies um they have gelatin in them and so you, you got to be really careful about that but skittles took gelatin out and they're actually even gluten-free and i was thinking to myself great skittles it's open season again and now you got to bring this titanium oh. dioxide crap to me sarah you know i've already given up so much in my life uh to to not eat this and not eat that and now this whole skittles thing and i'm, I'm even thinking to myself is it worth it What's that, is
2: Eric? There? Here, there's a theory that all Skittles taste the same. Like, I've had this, like, argument with my group of friends for, like, months. It's about what Skittles, that
0: there's there's not actually different flavors.
3: Oh, yes, there is. Yes, the
0: the, uh, it's not M&M's, okay? Now, M&M's okay. all taste the same, no matter what the color is. But Skittles have actual flavors, man.
3: Exactly. The yellow Skittles taste like lemon.
2: They do. But I guess they taste like Aluminum, whatever the heck you're talking about. Here. Titanium.
3: <laughs> Got to use the word titanium. Makes it sound better. Titanium you know,
0: sounds no, like something uh, I should be swinging like, in a golf club and not something right? that I should be eating. Right. And so. Wow. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So Skittles, and, right, so. and I'm hoping that that this is the beginning of the end for food additives and crap that we end up putting in all of our processed stuff. And you know, I, I feel bad for Clark Griswold. I know that was his job was to put food additives and chemicals into things, but um, too bad, Clark. You're gonna have to find a new That's line right. of work. And hopefully, this whole Skittles right. thing uh, comes out pretty good. Okay.
3: Exactly. And it's gone viral. Again, it was a, a teenager who brought it up on a family trip recently. Love Speaking that. of
0: going viral. All
3: right. And, and maybe this,
0: this might not be for yeah. you, uh, Sarah, but there is a band Skittles commercial. And Eric might know what I'm talking about. Have you ever seen the band Skittles commercial? skittles yes. commercial what is there
2: like yeah. candies or I don't yeah Ed. what are we talking google
0: about? google band skittles commercial and you're you'll you'll love it uh i'm not saying that it's very kid friendly kid, but it's not all the googling it. it's not pornographic either but it kind of toes the line it's called the band skittles commercial don't forget about it everybody out there right now if you've never seen it it's it's not the same thing as the um, what is that? The the two girls, one cup. It's it's not that. Okay, so so don't worry about that.
3: <laughs> right, I, I don't want to know about that. Moving on, <laughs>
0: no, it's not that.
3: Moving on. And, Moving okay. on, Sarah. So Moving on. Now we're going to talk about. Now we're going to talk about a cup of milk. Turns out, cows might not be treated with love uh-huh. at Organic Valley. You know, they say uh, uh, that our cows are treated with love. And I've fallen for that as I walked past the, the milk aisle because I am vegetarian, not I mean, but this is according to PETA. So a new lawsuit is claiming that Organic Valley does not in fact treat their cows with love. PETA says it's false and misleading. Now I used to think, oh, well, maybe they're doing something differently than the rest of them. Um, this is a class action lawsuit out of California against Organic Valley. Now it has evidence uh, saying that it does separate the calves from the mothers. And that they're distraught and they are raised in isolation and that they're um, dealing with physical suffering because of that. And Organic Valley claims on its milk cartons that that its cows are treated with the highest standard of animal care. Quote, we are committed to giving our cows happy, healthy lives and it shines through in our products. Now, I, I guess I never read that part about it. Shining through, not so sure. But here's the interesting part. Compassion in world farming is part of my story. They say that it's standard practice. A calf has to be removed from the mother within a few days, sometimes hours. My my hope now is that Organic Valley has given it a couple days. And the mothers find it distressing. This is maternal instinct. They might make loud calls trying to find the calves. Apparently, a family found out about this and it became a class action lawsuit. Uh, in the U.S., more than 226 billion pounds of milk were sold for human consumption, and that was 2020. Organic Valley made a billion dollars that year. I didn't get the, quite the number of 226 billion pounds of milk. Now, as a vegetarian, I can't handle the thought of eating the cow, but somehow it doesn't bother me that um, I'm drinking Have you ever milk. watched the video,
0: Sarah? Milk. Okay, so so this is how it goes in these, these dairy videos that they show – and, and we're in, and by the way, full, full disclosure here, all three of us are in Wisconsin. We are behind the cheddar curtain here. We are in Dairyland, USA. It even says so on our license plates. I mean, dairy rules this state. Now, a, a few things about that. One is if you ever watch these, these dairy videos, they are the most heartbreaking things in the world. So what happens is, first of all, for that cow to get pregnant, It's not like she's getting pregnant out in a field somewhere and it's happening naturally. The first thing they do is that they inject her with semen. They, They basically rape the cow to get her pregnant. And there is, and all of us are around the, the, the Madison area. You ever go north on ninety ninety four, and you drive by a place that's called ABS, and then they would have like these cute signs up with like these funny dairy sayings about how basically they would inseminate cows and everybody would yeah. laugh because it would have some kind of sexual innuendo, but also some kind of cow punchline. And I really, I'm, I'm hoping somebody could give me some of those because they, they used to actually be kind of funny until you think about it. So first of all, the cow gets raped so that it could have a calf and then, you know, go ahead and make milk. Then as soon as the calf is born, they take the calf away. And then the, the mom, so they, they, they talk about these, these loud sounds that they make. It sounds like wailing. I mean, it actually sounds like, right. I mean, someone who's in serious pain um, and, and this, these cows just scream and wail um, for their calves. And then they're forced to milk. And once the milk starts running a little bit low, they do it again. And then the, these dairy cows are used for about three to four years. When, and we're talking about big, agri, agri, you know, agricultural farming when their time is up uh they finally get to be led off to slaughter and that's mostly what's in your hamburger our old dairy cows um whose whose time is up and so the whole process of dairy is kind of barbaric but and i'm I, i'm thinking organic valley does this too all right they put on the label of of like milk they'll put a smiling happy cow you ever seen this the 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 stuff that they do is the same thing Oh, yeah. 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 Slaughtered. Like every barbecue place always has like a laughing pig. And I'm thinking to myself, why the hell is this pig laughing? This pig is dead. I mean, this pig just got slaughtered. And it's always some happy pig with a a chef's hat on. And, you know, you're going to eat ribs today. It's the pig is dead. That pig's not laughing. Um, there, there's nothing happy about it. They do the uh, same thing with like chicken and, and, and stuff like that. And they got these happy chickens and they're dancing around. They're being led to slaughter. This isn't how it works um and so but but it it allows people to kind of disassociate from the fact that what they're doing can be kind of barbaric and gross and it's kind of the whole thing like you'll eat the sausage but you don't want to know how the sausage is made once you see it there is no going back it is the matrix moment where you choose the red pill or the blue pill because once you take that pill I'm sorry, there's really no going back. And so um, I'm sure Organic Valley is guilty of that as anybody because there's no way to really make money at milk and dairy unless you do what we just talked about doing, which is really kind of gross.
3: And then there are people who will, who know this, maybe not listening to this podcast, but perhaps listen uh, or just know that and go, well, I don't care. And my question is because I think in cat cows and beef are a big part of what we need to change in the world. How do we get people to think a little bit more, not just about the cruelty, but about that carbon footprint? And, and that's where I start to go, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I really do like almond milk and I, I do use it more, honestly. Um, it's the yogurt. Though. Yeah,
0: yogurt. Yogurt's a tough one. These have like some good, product. like, non-dairy <laughs> yogurts that are out there Um, that, that's actually good stuff. But anyways, listen, Sarah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I know I you're have... pressed for time. And, and I want to at least let everybody in on the secret why. you got to go to a doctor's appointment. What the hell did you do to your elbow, lady? What is going on?
3: Well, I mean, for those who can't see, you can't see. I fractured it in two places, and everyone everyone has been so concerned when I first told them because I have epilepsy, however it's controlled. Oh, my God, what did you do? I tripped over my two damn (laughs) feet running. I am a runner. Now, look, I guess if you figure running and some long distances, but running over the course of 20 years, maybe, one really bad fall and a little fracture on the elbow, not so bad. But, uh, yeah, it was two weeks ago today. And then I had to fly the next day. So I'm in the urgent care for way too long. And they had to flush out the wound on my knee. That's really pretty looking, by the way. And uh, yeah, so I have to go. They're going to tell me to wear the sling, which I have sitting over here. I just swear at it a lot and try to get it comfortable and can't. Yeah, so I don't know how long an elbow fracture takes to heal, but it's awfully hard to do things around the house. It's awfully hard to, you know.
2: With your elbows on the tables, that's for sure.
3: No, I can't. And I can't like reach in. I can't, so I can. My my left, left I don't have quite the left Look at box that. Up, Holy out. cow. Like, for those, those of you watching on I YouTube,
0: do that again, Sarah. Flex for us. Oh my goodness. Dude.
3: It's not bad. This one I can't lift up for you, but I tried to wow. do this. Wow, so sun's you
0: out, guns out for it looked, Sarah. It
3: horrible <laughs> well, hey, the funny thing is, I just started a weightlifting class too. I, I and it's I working.
0: You're, you're making gains oh. there, girl.
3: Well, it we was working in, until it, I haven't done it for two weeks because I can't do anything. Uh,
0: you you need move. a better story, by the way.
3: But we'll see. You know what? It could have been worse.
2: I'm very <laughs> happy. going to say the same thing, Rich. Like, you might want to come up with something like, yeah, I got in a fight. Or Oh,
3: that would
2: be fun. <laughs> I Saved
0: should, puppies I from a fire <laughs> from a burning building, and you were going back and forth, and yeah. that's how you accidentally bumped your elbow on a burning piece of wood or something like that, or it fell off the ceiling. Because tripping over your own two feet – Uh, is going to make everybody question why they're listening to this podcast
3: (laughs) i know i know and i I question myself when i wake up (laughs) um
0: our our thanks to austin aries uh for eric for sarah my name is rich we appreciate you tuning in we'll do this whole thing again tomorrow that's episode one that does it for us we'll see you next time bye-bye guys